0: We'll open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 2. And if you'll excuse me for a moment while I silence my phone. As we work our way through this book, the book of Hebrews, we have noticed several things about it, but you're going to notice two dynamics of Christ uh, represented here. The first dynamic is that Christ uh, reveals God to man. And this is what you and I can see, and Colossians uh, 1 bears this out. Uh, He is the visible representation of the invisible. So He reveals to us uh, God. And so we could not know God were it not for the revelation that we have from Christ. But the second aspect is that he he represents man before God. So he represents God before man and now man before God. And so ever interceding on our behalf before the throne of God is the person, the man, Jesus Christ. Before going into that, however, the preacher gives the first warning in this book. And it's found there in the first four It is of utmost importance that we listen. And so let's notice the first four verses of Hebrews chapter number 2, please. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. God also bearing bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. For unto the angels hath He not put subjection the world to come whereof we speak. Drop back, if you would, to verse number 3, and this is going to be the main focus of our message. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Father, bless this reading of Your Word, Father, to our hearts Father, I'm heavy this morning and I need you to move me out of your way. I need you, Father, to speak through me as you calm my spirit. I pray, Father, that we would not allow distraction to pull us away from the truth of your word. Father, that we would not allow ourselves to be a distraction from others hearing it. Father, move in our midst. Bring about a calm to our hearts and our spirits that we would focus on You. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Whenever a warning is given in Scripture, it's time for us to pay attention. We need to understand that these warnings are not just kind of off the cuff or... Uh, just because the person who's penning them down had issues that he wanted to address personally. We need to understand that there is some merit that needs to be uh, caught, understood, applied whenever we find these warnings. And so when you see words, we ought to give more earnest heed. He's, He's essentially saying it's time, folks, for us to wake up. When we have the preacher here presenting this message to Jewish believers, to the Hebrews, and he's saying, hey, it's time for us to focus. It's time for us to quit playing around. It's time for us to quit messing around with things. Let's wake up and let's take this seriously. Maybe you've been uh, uh, in a job, or, or uh, maybe you've been uh, in the midst of something where your responsibility was great. I can remember when I was being taught how to drive a forklift when I was working at the airport. The guy that was teaching me how to drive the forklift, he looked at me and he says, "This is not a toy, and the first time I find you treating it as such, you're fired." Okay, heard ya. And so whenever I got on that forklift and, you know, it was it was third shift and, you know, we wanted to have fun and have forklift races, I could remember the look on his face when he said, the first time you treat it like a toy, you're fired. Because I had great responsibility in driving that piece of machinery around. You see, it's time for us to understand that there's a responsibility that it rests on the shoulders of every person who claims to be born again by the Spirit of God. It's time for us to get serious. It's time for us to wake up. And whenever we see these type of warnings, we need to arrest the attention of everything else that's going on around us. Put blinders on and don't allow yourself to be drawn off task. Because I'm here to let you know I believe Satan is real and I believe he will do anything and everything within his power to draw your attention away from thus says the word of the Lord. He'll do everything that He can to insert a distraction. He'll do everything that He can to draw your mind to what you need to do after this service. He's going to do everything He can to draw your attention to the watch on your wrist or on your cell phone. He's going to do everything that He can to make notifications pop up on the screen while you're looking at the Word of God on your cell phone. And oh, I've got a Facebook messenger request here. He's going to do that. I want you to understand, our flesh is weak. So not only are we battling Satan and his minions, we're battling our own flesh. We'll be sitting there, and as God is trying to open up and reveal to us something in the truths of His Word, I'm going to start to get hungry. While I'm getting hungry, I'm going to be wondering what's for dinner this afternoon. My mind is going to be completely moved away to maybe who's playing this afternoon or this week. Oh, it's March. March Madness is coming up. And my mind is going to go to that. And I'm going to be wondering, did I set up the right brackets? I'm going to be wondering what took place this past week at work. Maybe somebody said something to me or looked at me in a funny way. And I'm going to be focused in on that. Maybe I've got a busy week coming up this week and I'm trying to organize myself and make sure that I've got my shopping list or my to-do list organized. Understand, when God's Word says, take heed, it's time for us to put it all to the side. And go, okay. There's some strong verbiage being used here. He says, wake up. Pay attention. Because this is serious. He says right there at the beginning, verse number 1, Therefore, we, those of us who claim to be born again by the Spirit of God. Listen, I understand when someone that does not know the person of Jesus Christ ignores His Word. I get it. Makes sense. But those of us who claim to be born again by the Spirit of God, who claim to be children of the Most High, who claim to have been given the gift of salvation... We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. We ought to do this. This is strong language. And I'm so thankful that we spent a good deal of time in chapter 1 establishing who Jesus Christ is. Because now it's time, okay, you know who He is. Now it's time for you and I to understand our responsibility in this. It's time for us, church, to wake up. Now, let me say it a different way. Our world is a mess. If you don't know that, you've been living with your head buried in the sand. Our world is a mess. And you want to know why? Because sin reigns. It's not because of who is in office or who is, uh, who is arresting who or who, is, who has committed this crime or that crime. It's not a matter of that. The reason why this world is in such a mess and is in utter chaos is because sin is rampant in our society. I'm here to let you know this once great nation is not the nation it once was. And sadly, when we say God bless America today, we're actually not saying God bless America, we're saying God bless what America used to be. And I want you to understand my heart in all of this is not to smack or to belittle or to beat down anybody or any certain nation or any people group. That is not my idea by any stretch of the imagination. My hope, my heart's desire is that we would open up our minds to what the Word of God is telling us. And we can understand. You want to know why we're saying God bless what America used to be? Because the people of God have stopped listening to the Word of God, have stopped applying the Word of God, and have let the world take over. And it breaks my heart. As we get into Hebrews, the preacher lays out his first warning and it's a warning of drifting away. What better example do you need in today's society. We have drifted so far away from what the word of God tells us. And it's because we've neglected our salvation. I'm here to let you know if you want to understand why our nation is the way it is it's because we neglected our salvation. We have given a free pass. We, the people of God, the one who God chose to reveal to the rest of this world, Him. Go back to the Old Testament. God handpicked the people of Israel, not because He wanted them and rejected everybody else. It was because He wanted them to show everybody else who He was. He says, I want you, Israel, to be the people who leads everybody else in this world to see. We go to things like David and Goliath. Why does David go out to to slay this Philistine? Not because he's a Philistine, I'm an Israelite, and that's what we do. No. He walked out and he says, this day the world will know that there is a God in Israel. That's why. As we understand the reason that we are called unto Him, that we are, are chosen, we are given a, a job to do to reveal to the rest of the world, we've got to quit playing church. And not only do we have to quit playing church, it's time for us born-again believers, under the sound of any, any preaching of the Word of God, we need to wake up and quit playing Christian. Don't miss what I said. Anybody can slap a fish on their bumper. Anybody can put a cross on their hat. But it takes a true child of God to live like Christ. Well, I'm not perfect, Pastor, and so I guess this one's not for me. I guess you just... Stop. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You and I are called to reveal Him in us. No matter how easy or difficult that may be. That is our calling. And it's time for us to take heed. Whenever these warning signs are given, it's time for us not only to hear them, but to submit to them. To submit to them. Catch that. Now church, I want want your attention for just a minute. I want your attention for just a minute. It's one thing to hear it, to know it. It's another thing to do it. You know how many times I have known the right thing to do and simply not done it? Oh, and you're the same way I am before anybody looks at me like a bunch of pious gas bags. You're sitting there, I don't do that. You're an evil person. Oh, come on. You've done it too. You knew the right thing to do when you saw that speed limit sign and said 35 miles an hour, but you want to go 50 instead. You've been there. You knew the right thing to do when it says give a penny, take a penny, but you took four. Come on. I'm not the only one that goes down this road. I know that. The preacher here is delivering a message to a specific audience. He has just given evidence for Christ's superiority, revealing that the message, too, must be far superior than that of the old. If you look back at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken, done, unto us by His Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. The two, ver- two words, and I've said this time and time again and I'll keep repeating it, the two words that blow my mind every time I read them, God spoke. He spoke. Catch that. I want you to see that what he, what he does here. This, he continues here in chapter number 2 with the word therefore. Therefore could be stated this way. Based on this, notice, based on this, this is how we ought to behave. That word therefore brings with it an idea that since Christ is so great, is so much superior, because of this, this is what you need to apply. It's sort of like an if-then type of a statement. So based on all of this, this warning is directed to believers. And you'll notice that in in chapter number 1, look at verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us. Look at chapter number 2, verse 1. Therefore we ought to give more earnest heed. Verse number 3, howfore shall we escape? He is speaking to a collective body. He's talking us as in the born-again children of God. And so this warning needs to be taken personally today. Personally. Don't do what we so often do when we go to church and we wonder, well, I wonder who got that message today. You want to know who's getting this message today? Why owe you? I love that story Pastor tells of the guy that used to come up and say, well, you got him again. And then finally one day came and he was the only one that showed up to church and he comes up to the preacher and says, Too bad they weren't here. That's us. That's us. And here's what I want us to do today. I know that this introduction may feel long, but please believe me, this is the majority of the message. Everything in
1: this passage
0: is not meant for anyone sitting near you today. It's meant for you. And so you know those times and I've heard preachers say, oh, it felt like you were talking directly to me. Can I just say this? God today is talking directly to you. Through His Word. Take it, apply it, or be held responsible for neglecting it. This is a time to take everything as personal as we possibly can and realize that the question, does salvation mean any other thing than where I go when I die, must come into play. Is salvation only about what happens to me when I die? And now I get to worry about everything else. No, no it's not. So the question that comes in, what must I do to be saved, is what the Philippian jailer said. Let's put it in the other direction. You may ask the question, what must I do to be lost? Here's the answer. Nothing. What must I do to be lost, Pastor Andy? Just do nothing. And you will remain lost. But to be saved, we believe... On the Lord Jesus Christ, we take up our cross. We follow Him. You know what it means to believe? Because here's what we think: so all I got to do is believe in Jesus. Well, I believe Jesus was real. No, 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 no. That means when Jesus said, "Love your neighbor," you believed that He was telling the truth. When Jesus said not to uh, commit adultery, you believe what He said was right. When Jesus said uh, to, uh, to, uh, to treat your neighbor better than yourself, you, you believe what He meant. When Jesus said to love one another the way I have loved you, serving one another with no regard for yourself, that you believe that that is the right way to live. And you're not going to argue with that way to live. When Jesus said to give of yourself, you're going to do that because you believe Him. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe Him. Completely, The word that is given to us here, it says uh, for the word, verse number 2, uh, spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense and reward. Notice in this that both sins of commission and sins of omission are covered. Get this, sins of commission are actually things that I do. I actually do something that is sinful. Sins of omission is simply when God says, quit acting like that and I don't, I'm sinning. When God's word says to do something and I don't, I'm disobeying him. And yes, that's a sin. Well, I never committed, I, I, I never committed murder. I've never raped anyone. No, but when the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself did you, when the Bible said, uh, to be ye holy, for I am holy. Well, I'm not going to worry about that one. Oh. There's both types of sin. And we're so quick to point at the fact that I've never, I've never killed anybody. I've never beaten anybody senseless. I've never done this and I've never done that. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that you're supposed to do that maybe you didn't do. And that's just as Sinful. There's a story of a lady coming up to a pastor one time, and she, said, she says, so you're, you're, you need to stop being so hard on Christians. It's not the same as an unbeliever sinning. To which his, his simple response was, you know what, you're right. It's not the same when an unbeliever sins. It's when a Christian sins over an unbeliever. It's worse when a Christian sins. This is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Therefore, we ought to give more heed. We ought to pay closer attention. Notice what else is given in this. The responsibility that salvation brings. This is not escaping hell. Please don't, please don't misunderstand what verse 3. Notice what it says. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This is not about escaping hell. This is about escaping our responsibility to God. All right? All right? And when it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's not saying that you reject salvation. It's saying you neglect it. It's not saying escaping hell. It's talking about the responsibility that is upon you and upon me as born-again believers. We've got a responsibility, and how dare we think that we're going to escape by it? There is a day when you, my friend, and I will face God. While I was on earth, I wore the title Christian. And all the people that watched me treat my children a certain way. Or treat my wife a certain way. Or cheat the system at work. Everybody that watched me drive like an idiot and not worry about who I ran over, ran into, or went past. I'm responsible for that. Notice, as I say, this is not about escaping hell, but giving an account. The preacher here refers to just recompense in verse 2. He says, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, they got what they earned. You see that just recompense there? Uh, The law was structured with cause and effect. If you do this or you don't do this, this is what will happen. And we can look back through the Old Testament times and we can find that that is exactly what took place. God says, if you keep me at the forefront of your mind and you worship no other gods, everything's going to go fine. You start worshiping other gods, everything's going to go awry. What happened? They started worshiping other gods and everything went awry. The Old Testament saints had a partial understanding. Realized that the way that God's timeline worked, you started and and, and God gave the people a little bit of an understanding of who He was. He started it out with Ten Commandments. And then a little bit more was given. And a little bit more was given. And a little bit more was given. If they were held responsible for their partial knowledge, we who have been given the final speaking by God through His Son, we have it all. We are held to a higher standard. If they were responsible and their disobedience and their sins were given right punishment, what about us? Now, realize something, because I'm afraid that in today's day and time, you know me, if you've been around my preaching for any amount of time, you know I am all about grace. I love the grace of God. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God. We just sang a song, for by grace I am redeemed. By grace I am restored. And now I can freely walk into the arms of Christ my Lord. I love grace, but we've got to quit using grace as an occasion to sin. So many times we say, God has been gracious. God has saved me, so I can do whatever I want. He'll say, that's okay. He'll forgive me, because I can do whatever I want because of grace. How dare we? How dare we? If the Old Testament saints with their partial understanding were held responsible, how much greater is our responsibility? Now remember, the the title of this today is Clinging to Salvation. I can say it this way, for your life. Get into your mind. You're hanging over a cliff and you're grasping hold of a rope or a bar or something that is keeping you from dying. You're going to hold on pretty tight to that, aren't you? And this is what we need to do. We need to cling to salvation. Now, before we go any further, because I know what's going to happen, someone is inevitably going to say, so you're telling me I can lose it. No, I'm not telling you that. But I don't treat it carelessly. Because of my salvation, I'm going to do this. Because of my salvation, I will live this way. It is not because I'm saved, I don't have to. Because I'm saved, it doesn't matter what I do. Stop. You've missed the point of salvation. Salvation is about God Calling us unto Himself, our decision to follow Him, to make our steps in line with Him, to become more like Him every day. The Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence within us, bringing change into our life, working in our heart, working in our mind, showing us things that we need to do differently, and then we work those out on the inside. And when I become lackadaisical about it and I just say, eh, it doesn't matter, eh, God will forgive me. I'm safe, eh, I'm okay. That's when we are spitting in the face of a thrice holy God saying, thanks for the payment, bucko, but I'm going to keep living however I want. And that's an affront. That's an insult to Salvation. As we get into this, understanding that our responsibility grows. Notice what it says there in verse number 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Notice the word is not reject. It is neglect. It's not saying that I rejected salvation. This is not a message. Many people have, have attached this and say, Oh, see, this is, you've been offered salvation, and if you reject it, well, you're not going to escape punishment. No, 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 no. If we neglect it. If we neglect what God has done for us, saved from the penalty of sin, saved from the, being saved regularly from the power of sin, one day I will be saved from the presence of sin. Listen, when we ignore this, we are shirking our God-given role in this world. Understand that Jesus declared the way of salvation. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. So please don't misunderstand me. That You have some sort of uh, of role in keeping yourself safe. That's not what is being taught here. Man wants, though, his own way. (laughs) Look at Proverbs chapter 16 with me. Keep your hand in the book of Hebrews and look at Proverbs chapter 16. And if you've got a pen or a highlighter or something, I encourage you, if you mark in your Bible, to highlight, underline, draw arrows to this verse. Draw your attention here. Proverbs chapter number 16. Look at verse number 25. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. When I say, well, God saved me, but I don't have to do much. That's my way, not God's way. When I say, I'm saved, so it doesn't really matter anymore. I, I can live however I really want to. I can, I can eat what I want to eat, drink what I want to eat, go where I want to go, do what I want to do. It doesn't matter. I can watch what I want to watch, listen to what I want to listen to. It doesn't matter. I'm saved. Hallelujah. Going to heaven. Pass the beer. Stop. Stop. That's my way. There's a way which seems right to a man. But it leads to death. The apostles confirmed what Christ taught when Jesus taught it. Notice again, back in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, it says, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. Jesus spoke it to us. Follow me. Follow me. Learn of me. Do as I do. Take up your cross. Follow me. Do you see Jesus? Do you see how he lives? That's the way you should live. That's the way of salvation. That's what, it's, that's what he says. you want to get saved? Follow me. Believe on me. Confess your allegiance to me. You take all of it. We like to take one verse of Scripture and, and, and attach it and just say, Oh, that must be all you got to do. Yep, I believe in Jesus. Yep, he was a real person. Looking forward to my harp and my halo. No. Christ said, follow me. The New Testament apostles taught. (laughs) Read through the New Testament writings of what these guys said. Jesus, this is what Jesus taught. Paul said, how many times? He said, should we use grace as an occasion to the flesh? God forbid. No. We should still live righteous. We reject certain things. We accept certain things. We spurn, we turn away from, and we turn to. This is our life. We put off the old man daily. We put on the new man. When I'm driving down the road and some ding-dong cuts in front of me and slams his brakes just because he wants to be funny, I don't gas it. That's the old me i got to put that guy off. I don't put one finger in the air and show him my IQ. No, that's the old me. And I put off. Because of my salvation, because of what Christ has done for me, I respond different now. Do you get it? Our responsibility as Christians is far greater and our sin far worse. But note, this is not about rejecting it. Not about rejecting it. It's about ignoring the effect it had on the person's life. That's what this passage is teaching. It's about ignoring the change that it's going to bring. You know how many people they just want what God can give them, a home in heaven, but they don't actually want God? There are people that they, oh, you mean my choices are heaven and hell? Well, of course I want heaven. Streets of gold? I wonder if I can get a shovel with me. There are actually people that think that way. But I don't really want this whole relationship with God thing. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Not saved. Somebody may not like that one. But salvation is about Christ, not about a destination. It's about Him. It's about a relationship with Him. Come unto me. Take my yoke upon you. That's what it's all about. It's not about whether or not you get to play a harp or if you're chasing around a guy with a tail and pitchforks. That's not what it's about. But we need to grasp the reality of what's taking place. We need to understand. Listen, when this world applauds sin, I I know that the baby killer is protected. The baby killer is even applauded and funded by the government in many cases. I know! I'm not foolish. I don't have my head buried in the sand either.
1: I see the evil in this world. The criminal is embraced and even. that is an abomination to the Lord is celebrated and the sad thing is in many churches they're celebrated.
0: Sin is celebrated all around and we got to get away from it. It's time for us to wake up and
1: see what's going on. Children are being abused, sold for vile acts. How's the child going to grow up knowing what they are? What I'm saying is I can understand the world acting that way.
0: But we who have been given the completed word of God. This is no hate speech. So before Facebook wants to take me down, you need to understand I love them and I want what's best for them. I don't see one sin as any more than another. All sin is an abomination to the Lord. But for me to say it's okay is to give a free pass and neglect the salvation that is in me. How dare we wonder why the world acts the way it does when so many Christians act the way we do. I can't get upset for Washington. I can't get upset when some actor, actress, or musician... Acts the way they act. I can't get upset at that. I have no right to get upset at that. I remember somebody vehemently mad because they took the Ten Commandments down. And I said, it belongs in the schools. It belongs on the courthouse steps. I said, where do you have it hanging in your home? Well, I don't have the Ten Commandments hanging in my home. It belongs in your home before it belongs anywhere else. Notice this last thing and we'll be ready to head down to the end. God verified His message in case you were wondering. Verse 4, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. God bared witness to this. You can go back to Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 20. These guys, you remember Paul? A bit by a poisonous snake, walked over to the fire, shook it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moved on. God empowered those people there at the beginning day to, uh, to be able to, uh, to do things that would arrest the attention of people and go, whoa, they got the hand of God on them. Today, we have the completed Word of God. We don't need that. So in conclusion, when we think about all this stuff, let's let's wrap it up this way. Christians ought never to take the Word of God for granted. Never. And today we have so many who have begun to neglect the saving work of Jesus. When Christians take part in this sin, it makes the world say... Must not be that bad. I want to give you this one word today. You know, I like words. I like. I, I, I'm a. I'm a wordsmith or a word, not a aficionado. I'm a word liker, logophile. Notice what it says there in verse three. How shall we escape if we neglect? It's the Greek word amaleo. It means to treat carelessly, to neglect, or to make light of. Can I ask you this morning to be honest with yourself? How do you treat salvation? When's the last time you hit your knees in tears and said, thank you, God? Thank you for saving this wretch. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not holding to me, against me, my sins, but instead you took them upon yourself. Thank you, God. When's the last time you felt that way? How do you value... Or like so many others, do you consider it only when you're thinking about death? You see, we look at the way the Israelites forgot God's deliverance and and we're no different. No different. God delivered His people from the land of Egypt. and It wasn't too long. They were dancing around and worshiping another god, lowercase g. And we think to ourselves, oh, how could they do that? We forget to. But let us always cling tightly to our salvation in such a way that it becomes our reason for everything. Why do you do this, Dad? Because I'm a child of God. Why do you not do this, Mom? Because I'm a child of God. Why do we not go here? Why do we go to church? Why do we sing these songs? That's the beautiful thing. When you look at the Passover, it says, when your children ask why you do these things. So that you can tell them about God. So, when you're the odd family out and your kids are the only ones doing a certain thing or not doing a certain thing, and your kids say, Well, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? Why don't we go here? Why don't we go there? Well, they do it. That's a perfect opportunity to say, Well, we're God's. And because of Him, we do it this way. So, what about you? Let me give you three things and we're finished. Number one, obey God's word in every area of your life. Not just when, oh, yeah, I like that part. Obey it in every area, every area. The part that talks to you, husbands, obey it. The part that talks to you, wives, obey it. The part that talks to you, bosses, obey it. The part that talks
1: to you, children, obey it. All of it. Number two, distance yourself from sin. Realize that there's, with holiness, a negative and a positive
0: side of it. Holiness means I'm going to distance myself from what is not holy. And I'm going to embrace what is holy. So when God shows you something in the back of your mind, this morning I said take
1: everything personally. God said you need to change. This. Run from what He wants you to run from. Run to what He wants you to run to. Fact, possibly can. Number three. Time for us to examine our lives. Examine our speech, our attitudes,
0: our time, our our entertainment, our relationships, our work ethic. Examine it all
1: and ask yourself, is this, is my life in keeping with someone who claims to be? The answer is no. How in the world are you going to neglect or are you going to escape the responsibility? Neglect. You and I both know what's wrong. You and I both know what's right. And I'm not going to come and point out your flaws. That's between you and God. I know mine. I know the wicked, vile person that I can And you know the wicked, vile person you. And we all have responsibility to remember our salvation. What Christ did for us. What Christ paid for. What He is doing in us. And it's time for us to work out what He's working in. Church family, I love you. The only reason I give you this is because He gives it. to for me to withhold this, how would I escape the responsibility He's placed on me? Father, we bow before You, the only wise God, recognizing, Lord, who you are thankful beyond
0: words, Father, for what you have done for us. So, Father, what I ask in
1: this moment, God, I don't want to drag th- things out. I just simply want you to work.
0: Father, if there's any here that maybe they do not know you as their personal Savior, I beg of you, Lord work in their heart in such
1: a way that it just makes them run to the altar. Father, if there's any here that they do know you, they do claim to be born again by the Spirit of God, maybe they've been neglectful of their salvation. Father, put your word in them in a way that it's like a fire in their bones. They can do nothing surrender to you. Father, I know in my own heart and in my own life there are things that I need to wake up to. So, Father, forgive me. Forgive me from holding back on you. Help me from this moment on to live. Mind of your gift. In the Son's name, we pray. Amen.